Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Hey, for those of you uh, that I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Rob. To those of you joining us on live stream, thanks for being here today. We are in our series, Kingdom Come. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We've been defining it as the society in which God's will is done, how his, his kingdom is revealed, how we partner with it. We're looking just at what it means to have allegiance to the king, what it looks like to integrate it into our lives and to be on mission. And we're going to just continue that by looking at two parables this morning. I grew up in New Jersey, and I was a massive baseball fan. Baseball occupied a large part of my life. I was always at practice. I was always throwing a ball against the wall, trying to hit the little square. I was huge. I would watch every Mets game, and the Mets won in 86. That was a big year for me. You know, 86. Yeah, we got one. Thank you. First one of any sort. New York Mets, baby. And and I got to go to a couple games at Shea that year, and, and I was huge into baseball cards. Like, so into baseball cards. I would collect these. I would check the box scores every day. I would predict what players were streaky and on a, on a hot streak, and I would trade for those players. And every month, the Beckett Baseball Price Guide came out. I couldn't wait for the price guide to see how much now my players would be worth. I was totally into this. I'll never forget this one summer day, and I'm biking over to Adams Baseball Field. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going there for practice. And on the way, I'm like driving by, and there's this little yard sale. And out of the corner of my eye, I see these two big boxes near the curb, near the front of the sale. And I, I quickly see they are full of baseball cards. And immediately, I just slam the brakes, and I jump off my bike, and I look. And what is in this box is like the treasure of all treasures. Two huge boxes. And the cards that are in here are not the cards that I have in my collection. No, these are not like late 80s, early 90s cards. These are cards from the 60s and the 70s. These are worth thousands. And I was, oh my, I I need this. I need these. This will change everything. So I quickly, I ran to the lady that was in charge of the yard sale. I said, how much for the two boxes of cards? She said, $50. I was like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of money when you're in like fifth grade. And I said, can you just put them aside? I will be back in 15 minutes. Can you put them aside? And she said, no. First come, first serve. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, it game on. I jump on my bike and I get home as fast as I can. Okay, how do I convince mom to give me 50 cash? How do I convince mom? I get home. I ended up, I, I return. I get about 10 bucks. And I return back to that yard sale, ready to make a deal. Just let me take a handful for 10 bucks. And what do I see? An older gentleman in a suit putting two boxes of baseball cards on the back of his navy blue BMW. Oh, my heart sank. I missed out. I missed out on this incredible, incredible treasure that would have changed some things. But today, I'm going to talk to you about a treasure that's worth a whole lot more than two boxes of baseball cards from the 60s and 70s. And it's a treasure that I really don't want you to miss out on. Today, we're talking about two parables in Matthew, and it's the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. And before we even read these two parables, I want to just bring your attention to two things. One, as we read them, I want you to pay attention to the reaction of the people that discovered the treasures. I want you to pay attention to the reaction, because that's where I believe we have a word from God for us today. The second thing about this parable, it's about worth and about gaining, okay? 
in, in the context of Jesus' teaching, we know full well that what Jesus is talking about here is not buying our way into the kingdom. You see, the gospel of the kingdom is not for sale. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It is a gift. It's about grace. It's something that we receive. And so I just want to make myself just super clear on that before we even get going this morning. With that said, let's go ahead and read these two parables. They're found in Matthew 13, three verses, 44, 45, 46. You can turn there in scripture, or you can just join me. They're on the screen. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. This is the word of the Lord. In each of these parables, a bit more about the kingdom of God is revealed to us. These two parables are really about our allegiance to the king. Here we see that the kingdom is valuable and accessible, and we'll be touching on those today. Remember that Jesus is talking about this kingdom that is here and now. He's inaugurating the kingdom. The kingdom is going forth. And so when he's speaking of the accessibility and the worth of the kingdom, it's important that we understand that he's talking about a value in the here and now, not just when Jesus returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. There is value in the here and the now. And so what I want to do this morning is talk us through the process of what the field worker, probably a day laborer, what he did, the steps that he took, as well as the merchant that found the pearl. And the first thing that I see here that they do is they discover it. This parable reminds us that the kingdom is hidden, but it's available, it's accessible to us. As one commentator noted, it is present in awaiting recognition of its value and a radical response that it deserves. On my bike ride, I wasn't on a search for baseball cars at yard sales. I didn't know such a thing existed. I would always have to go downtown to that special card shop with my friends anytime we could scrounge up 50 cents and buy my pack. But as I was riding by, I stumbled across it. Now notice there is a contrast. These parables are twin parables in many ways, but they're fraternal twins. There is a key difference. The field worker stumbles across the treasure. The merchant is searching. And church, that tells us something about how God even pursues us. We see it throughout scripture. There's different ways that he calls people into his kingdom. There's different ways that his extravagant pursuit happens. We see it in Isaiah 65 when Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God, God is saying, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found. I was accessible, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call my name. Or look how Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7, 7. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open." to you. For many of you in the room that have found this treasure, that are Christ followers, think back to when you discovered the treasure. You see, some of you were like the field worker and you stumbled across it. Maybe for you, it was a generational blessing like it's happening with these awesome four kids that we prayed for today. 
Maybe you were born into a Christ-centered family, and, and that's how you discovered this treasure. Or, or, or maybe you were just not looking for it, but you saw something on TV, or you heard a song on the radio that just took, took your attention and caught you off guard. Many of you, that's your story. And then there's others in this room that you were on a search for years. You were on a search for truth. And you read, and you read about other religions, and you read philosophies, and you read scripture, and you were on a search. You took an alpha class. You watched a lot of YouTube videos. And you finally discovered this treasure. You see, there's a beauty in both. I'll never forget this time where a good friend of mine in the Middle East, we had been living there for a little while. And my friend, we, we actually had him come to a little service we were doing in our house. And he and his wife were Muslim, so it was a bit of a risk. But we actually, we were dedicating my son to Jesus. And we were having a baby dedication. And in that moment, we asked him to come and represent our family because they weren't able to come. And so he walked in the room. My wife is leading a worship song on a guitar. And then I just give a, a quick just discussion from the Bible about why we do this. And as soon as it was over, my friend just came. And he said, oh, my goodness, tell me everything you know about Jesus. I've been searching for him for the last 20 years. I've gone to numerous churches in this country that will not let me in because my background is Muslim and are out of fear, will not tell me who this person is. Tell me everything. His search was finally complete. And over the coming months, he studied scripture and put his faith in Jesus. But church, for us, it's important for us to recognize this. And so two things. For those of you that there's a curiosity arising, that you are searching for truth right now. And it's one of the reasons you're in this room. I bless you with the surprise of discovery. I bless you with joy that you will realize what you have found. And also a word to those of you that are from a generational heritage where generation after generation have followed hard after God and you stumbled across this because you were born in that kind of family. A word for you. Though you didn't go to seek it out, you are equally blessed to those who have searched for it. Your treasure is just as valuable. The second thing that I see these people do is they determined when they saw the treasure that they wanted it. The commentator R.T. France says, prudent calculation gave way to extravagant action. They assessed the value of what they found, and they said, we want it. When I found those baseball cards, it became priority. I didn't have to search through that box and add it up. I could just see from the top, I wanted these cards. There was an urgency because of the potential of what would happen, the anticipation, the excitement. It just, it came, the prospect of getting to have this, the adrenaline hit, and I biked home so fast, there was no fatigue, there was no tired. I was on a mission. See, we have to make that forecasting, that projection of what it is worth. And so we ascribe value. Now, when it's something that's, there's, there's things that are easier to ascribe value to than other things. Some things have clear financial value. Art is more difficult with that. You know you've seen some artwork that's selling for thousands and thousands of dollars, and you're like, I don't get it, right? But, but things are worth a certain amount to different people. Like, one of those things, so let me just give you an example of what it would be like to ascribe value to something. Like, say that I hire just an artist to render just an awesome picture of the ageless face of Brian Candelo, and then, like, throw Efren's mustache on it. And if I created that, like, what would it be worth? <laughs> right? Like, like, 
here's, here's another one, right? Right? So what, what would it be worth if, say, I had a poster made of that and framed it? I have no idea what this is worth, but I believe that I, we're going to ascribe value to this this weekend. You see, bidding has begun, and we're already into three figures. And so at, by the end of this weekend, we're going to know how much this is worth. We're ascribing value to it. By the way, all donations will go to the Great Expectations fundraiser that happened this past weekend. And if you are interested in upping the current bid, come talk to me. There's a piece of paper here that people are writing their bids on after the service. Not now. I know the demand is high, but if you could just wait till after the service, that would be great. But it's important that we understand different ways that value is ascribed. Cleopatra, a couple decades before Jesus was preaching this parable, spent what in today's terms would be $28.5 million on two pearls. I believe one of the reasons Jesus is teaching and using pearls is because they had a high value in the society of the day. But for us, we need to understand this concept. See, treasure so often is spoken of in economic terms. But when we are going to now put this towards the kingdom of God, we have to understand that we need a broader view of value and wealth. Living in the Middle East, I was a director of a non-government organization, an NGO, an international nonprofit. And in that, that's what I actually got my master's degree in, was in humanitarian administration and leadership. And one of the first things that you learn is you don't ascribe wealth and value to simply things in economic terms. You see, you can be impoverished or wealthy in many other things than just how much money is in your bank account. You can be impoverished or wealthy in freedom, in creativity, Ability to move and cross borders, in family heritage and cultural heritage, in the networks that you are connected with and have influence in. Value can be ascribed to such more things than just bank accounts. This is why in the development world, we've stopped using the term third world, which was only about economic poverty, and we started using terms like the global south. And so the question you might be asking is what is the value of becoming part of the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God? And it's the right question. But if we're to be honest, it's a difficult question. For those of us that have acquired this treasure, we would be the first to admit that it's sometimes difficult to place value on something that isn't always tangible, that we can't always see. And if you add to that our our teachings here at Sam Alliance, we don't believe that everything goes better once you discover Jesus. We don't believe that you put your faith in him and suddenly all your problems dissipate and your bank account gets a lot larger. No, it wasn't true for his closest disciples and it isn't true for us. We don't preach a health and wealth prosperity gospel here. Around here, we have a robust understanding of even suffering. But we also believe that when you find this treasure, you're no longer a slave. You have freedom in Jesus' name. We believe that physical healing is available to you. We believe that a transcendent peace that passes all understanding is yours for the taking. These things alone are priceless. And we add to this, this hope for eternity, for heaven, where we will be co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom to come. And church family, I mean, if we take from this parable, what I hope we take, it's the belief that Jesus in our lives And life in his kingdom is so valuable that if we lose everything in order to have it, it is still a bargain and a joyful sacrifice.
Let me say that again. The belief that Jesus in our lives in life in his kingdom is so valuable that even if we have to lose everything in order to get it, it's still a bargain and a joyful sacrifice. The field worker, the merchant, they forecasted the value of the treasure. They knew they wanted that treasure because it would change everything. The field worker knew that it would likely take him out of a cycle of poverty where he would no longer be a day laborer hoping to secure work and enough food to feed his family each day. The merchant, he knew that possession of something so rare would bring generational security for his family. And so in joy, they determined they want the treasure. One of the things that I love most about Salem Alliance Church is that we're such a generationally diverse church. I love it. There are times where three generations are sitting in a row. It's happening right now. Sometimes four generations are sitting together. Two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to baptize a grandmother and her adult granddaughter. It's such an incredible thing. And with that, it means that there's a lot of generational blessings happening here. And because of that, I think it's important. And this morning, I just want to talk to those of you in middle school those of you in high school, and even some of you in your 20s, just listen to me for a second. I believe that for you, the time might be here where you need to determine if you want the treasure. You see, some of you, you you've been kind of living under your own rule and reign while also being under the covering of your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. And I just wonder if, if Spirit might be inviting you out of that today and asking you the question, do I want this? Do I want this for me? Friends, the choice is yours. You've been given that free will. And I'm not here today to, to drive you towards finding that treasure by trying to scare you into it and preaching a hellfire and brimstone. This, I believe this parable addresses that straight on. I think it speaks to when you discover this treasure, it's all about joy. There's no fear. There's no fear of family. Fear of eternity, there's nothing like that. It's all about joy because his kingdom is compassionate, not coercive. And so if I'm talking to you right now and you think maybe the time has come to make a call, I just bless you. And I pray that you experience joy even this morning and you make that decision. See, when that joy falls and it's time to make that, it leads to the third movement that I see here. These two made whatever moves necessary to obtain the treasure. They do whatever it would take. There's a giving up of things to acquire the treasure. They had to reorder their priorities. It was a wholehearted response. They were all in. When I saw those baseball cards, I was all in. I'd do whatever it took to get that 50 bucks and get back there before somebody else bought them. I would convince my mom. If nobody was home, I'd find 50 bucks that my dad had hidden somewhere, and I would take it. I'd give it back after I sold some cars, but I would take it. There was a level of urgency that was there. My response was radical to acquire these. I was all in, and that's what we're called to do to acquire this treasure. There's no taste testing, no trying it out, no free return label, no test drive. It's all or nothing. The Bishop N.T. Wright says this about this passage. He says, the gospel of the kingdom isn't a pleasant religious idea that you might like to explore sometime when you've got an hour or two to spare. It's like a fabulous hoard of treasure, yours for the taking if you'll sell everything else to buy the field where it is hidden. 
You see, I believe for us that oftentimes it's difficult for us to get this concept because honestly, to follow Jesus in our culture isn't all that costly. Living in the Middle East, I got to see what even Ephron was talking about last week when he put up the picture of Perpetua and her going to martyrdom with a glowing face. I never understood the the passage in Luke 12 where Jesus says, yeah, I'm Prince of Peace, but families will be torn apart on account of me. Friends, I saw that. I'll never forget this time where uh, we were living in the Middle East and things were going south in Libya. And and there were a, a group with this video circulating of six Egyptian Christians that were put on their knees on the Libya border and forced to recant their faith. And not one of them did. And each of their lives were taken. I remember hearing the village in Egypt that they were from and realizing that my good friend, the, the security guard at our center, was from that village. And so I quickly drove over to the center to see how he was doing. And I approached my brother, Atif, and I said, Atif, I'm so sorry that this happened. Oh, my goodness. Like, how are you? What do you need? Like, how? Uh, and he just looked at me dumbfounded. He said, Rob, what are you talking about? You're, these guys from your village that just lost their lives and... He said, oh, that I would be so lucky. They're heroes. They're with the king. They had the opportunity to give it all. And they're in eternity with him now. Have you read your scriptures? (laughs) Oh, church, all in is the ask. All in. It's a big ask. It's pricey, and yet it's a bargain. For many of us, if we're honest, it's difficult for us. We love to hedge our bets. We always buy the insurance when we buy that plane ticket. We hedge our bets. But with this one, there's no hedging. There's no degrees of commitment. See, the merchant couldn't sell 10% of his pearls to get that one special one. The field worker couldn't take out part of his retirement to get the field. They had to give it all up. They had to surrender all. There's only two choices. You be your king or you let God be king. There's no in-between. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Church, when we are willing to sell everything and give him our full allegiance, that's when we get access to the true king. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you do that, you obtain it. Sadly, this is where the baseball card analogy breaks down. I failed to acquire the cards. Probably in God's grace, he saw like this fifth or sixth grade kid that loved money and had an entrepreneurial like spirit and said, I'll spare you. (laughs) But the day laborer and the merchant, they succeeded. And many of us have succeeded to find the treasure that we're talking about. And when we acquire it, the response is simply, wow. Wow. It's worth far more than we ever thought. And our response is one of joy and celebration and worship. And the Apostle Paul understood this as well as anyone. He demonstrated with his life and his writing. And he's talking about before Christ, his earthly confidence and his education and his zeal. And this is what he says. I once thought those things, they were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Transcendent worship. 
Transcendent worship is our response when we realize what we've got. Church family, it's one of the reasons that we gather together to be reminded in a world that can often diminish it, that doesn't understand it. And I get why they don't understand it. But we gather to worship. See, once we've acquired it, it doesn't matter what the world thinks because we have joy unspeakable and it is worth it. The gospel of the kingdom is valuable. It's accessible. It's worth it. Even if it seems expensive, I assure you it's a bargain because it's actually free. You don't earn it. It's all about grace. Jesus says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What is more valuable than your soul? And so this morning, I just have three levels of invitation. And the worship team is going to join me on stage, but three levels of invitation. The first one is for those of you who have discovered the treasure. You're here this morning, and you have that treasure. You have that joy. Can I just, ref- just reflect on that? As we go back into worship, would you worship knowing that what you've obtained is so incredibly valuable? And would you also realize that there are people in your spheres of influence that still need to make the discovery? And ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself, who are the field workers that maybe we could point in the right direction? Who are the merchants in our spheres of influence looking for the pearl that we've discovered that we could offer them? The second level of invitation is this. Some of you here today you need to recommit. Because though Jesus is a priority, he's not the priority in your life. And it's quite important for us often to just ask ourselves questions like, what is it in my life that I'm protecting most right now? Are there things that I need to reprioritize? You see, I have to ask myself this all the time because I have lots of excuses and I fall into traps and I say, well, he's not priority right now, but that's just because, you know, our kids are still home. When they all get to school, he'll be priority. Or when they all get out of school, he'll be priority. Or when I finish that grad program, he'll be priority again. Or when I finish this project or get that new job, he'll be priority again. But there's no seasonal excuses. He wants it all. Honestly, this list of priorities isn't even a good analogy. I don't know why I use it. It's more about Jesus in the center, the center of it all. And so if you're here today and God's nudging you to recommit things and make things right again, can I just, just want to pray Psalm 51 over you. Just receive this. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within us. Do not banish us from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and make us willing to obey you. If you prayed that prayer, one, I have a breath prayer that I just encourage you to pray throughout this week. Here it is. Jesus, you're the center of it all. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, be the center. As we go back into worship, if you've made that decision, sometimes big moments require movement and the altar will be open. Come really anchor that commitment today. And the final invitation this morning is for those of you that have never put your faith in Jesus. You've never called him friend, father, or king. Can I just encourage you? It's worth it. There's a treasure that you have access to. It's worth it. Total commitment is how it's received. It's not earned. It's been paid for by someone else. It's received through repentance 
and putting your allegiance in Christ the King. To be a Christian means that you become a new creation. You move from you being your king to Christ being your king. And so today, if you feel something rising, if spirit is nudging you and getting your attention, the choice is yours. Can I encourage you to do whatever it takes to obtain this treasure? Place your allegiance in Christ and receive the joy that he is ready to give you. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.